On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla posted its Q4 production and delivery numbers, and thus its overall 2023 figures, and I've got reactions and analysis to the data. Plus, new paint colors for the Model Y, our first piece of information on autopilot hardware 5, and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey joining you here for the 440th episode of your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast that I call Ride the Lightning. This one for January 7th, 2024. Happy New Year for real this time. This is the first episode that I'm recording in 2024. I did last week's as 2023, still had a couple of days left in it. Uh, I would like to start the 10th, yes, 10th calendar year of Ride the Lightning, though the show won't actually turn nine until the beginning of August. But on a very serious and somber note this week, I want to dedicate this week's episode to loyal, longtime listener and very generous Patreon backer, Ken Epstein. Ken's wife, Claudia, let me know this week that Ken passed away over the holidays. Ken was a regular, uh, an absolute staple on the Patreon Zoom hangout calls every month. And I even had the great pleasure of meeting Ken in person at the Tesla takeover event that happened in San Luis Obispo, California this past summer. And Ken clearly loved talking about Tesla and what I remember from him on those Zoom calls He loved talking about solar as well. That was a big passion of his. And he was just one of those people who you just got a sense right away that this is a delightful human being. He was also a professional photographer and videographer. And when he had introduced himself to me in person last summer, he gave me his business card, which I still have right here. And I knew he lived in Phoenix. So I told him that boy, Ken, I would love to have you take some professional pictures of my Cybertruck once I get it, since inevitably I would be taking it down to the Phoenix area to see my family sometime. And and I'm sorry I won't get to do that now. Uh, and And I'm extraordinarily sorry for Ken's family, his wife Claudia, his friend's family. So Ken, thank you so much for everything that you brought to the Ride the Lightning family, the Tesla community. This episode is dedicated to you, Ken. And on that note, let's open it with some fun news. Let's open it with something good here. The Model Y now has two new paint colors. You can probably guess what they are. Yes, indeed, Stealth Gray and Ultra Red have made their way to the Model Y. Stealth Gray is the quote-unquote free color, meaning it won't cost you any additional money on top of the price of the car. And Ultra Red costs the same $2,000 extra that Multicoat Red did before it. And uh, I want to let you in on a little secret about Ultra Red on a Model Y specifically. And that is, I strongly suspected this was coming because this was a couple months ago now. I didn't tell this story on the podcast because I didn't want to risk getting in trouble with Tesla because, I mean, I didn't do anything wrong, but I was kind of in the wrong place accidentally. So... 
when I took a friend of mine down to Palo Alto, we were having lunch down there. I think I might have told this part of the story on the podcast. But anyway, we went looking for Cybertrucks. This was back a few months ago when the release candidate Cybertrucks were spotted frequently running around Palo Alto, which is where Tesla's engineering headquarters was located. So we had lunch and then we drove around a little bit and then we drove over and our intention was to do a drive-by of the Tesla engineering headquarters. And we took a wrong turn and ended up driving through Tesla's parking lot, like kind of a back alley. Like it wasn't a private space per se. It's not like we blew by any gated checkpoints or anything, but we were clearly in, you know, a spot that we, we, wouldn't ordinarily be if we were just kind of cruising on regular public roads trying to spot a Cybertruck in case any were out and about. And as we were cruising through Tesla's parking lot on our way immediately out, parked alongside the edge of the lot on our way out, kind of in the middle of the whole thing, with Texas manufacturer license plates was a Model Y in ultra red. And what's funny is, when we're driving up to it, I, I stopped the car and and I before I could even get the sentence out, I said, is that? And then right then my friend Michael said, ultra red. So we both we both noticed it right away. And of course, the fact that it was on Tesla's engineering headquarter property and the fact that it had Texas manufacturer license plates on it, dead giveaway, this is a Tesla company vehicle. They were clearly dialing in the color at Giga Texas, getting some practice with clearly the intention of using it at some point, which they are now doing. Um, Because certainly the Fremont paint shop here in California doesn't need to be dialed in. I mean, it it certainly does. You can't just immediately start doing model wise with it. You got to make sure all the, it, it paints the surface all clearly and everything. And, you know, or I should say evenly paints everything how you want it. But the paint shop here in Fremont already does ultra red with the S and X, of course. So, uh, yes, the new colors, stealth gray, ultra red, replacing midnight silver metallic and multi-coat red on the Model Y. Now, if you go to the Model 3 portion of the design studio on Tesla.com, it still shows midnight silver metallic and multi-coat red, but I can pretty much promise you, particularly as this is already the case with the Highlands overseas, as soon as Highland arrives on U.S. shores here very soon, that should change and Midnight Silver Metallic and Multicoat Red would will almost certainly be retired forever. And, you know, I'll say this. I am curious to see how the Model Y wears those two colors because... I, I don't know about you. I, I am of the opinion that different Teslas wear the different colors, even though they're the same colors, they wear them differently, right? Like for me, if I were to choose, if I were buying a Model S, it would be ultra red, hands down, no questions asked. If I were buying a Model Y, I like blue on the Model Y. If I were purchasing a Model X, for me, I think the pearl white multi-coat looks best on the Model Y. I think that's just a really great color. Excuse me, on the X. I think it's a really, really great color on the X. So that's what I mean when I say that I'm curious to see how the Y will wear 
these two colors. As I've said before, I do think ultra red is the best color that Tesla's ever done. And yes, I know paint color on a car is very, very subjective. You may disagree and that's totally okay. There's no wrong answer here. But for me, ultra red is the best color Tesla's ever done. It looks, as I mentioned a moment ago, ultra red just looks killer on the Model S. And I will say it looks pretty darn nice on the Model X as well. So I wonder if the Model Y will look great in ultra red as well. I'm sure it probably will, but whether I would still choose blue if I were buying a Model Y or if ultra red would sway me over to choosing ultra red if I were to purchase a Y, which I mean, I currently have no intention of doing, but you know, it's, it's certainly, we've all got our choices in our heads as to what colors we would pick for each of the different cars. And the Highland Model 3 uh, certainly appears that it will wear ultra red very well. Though, I mean, some of you that are in Europe have seen it in person and you can better attest to it than I can because I have only seen pictures and videos of ultra red Highland Model 3s. I haven't seen it in real life just yet, of course, since the Highland isn't out in the US at this moment. And, and we all know that paint colors can be very different in person than they are in pictures, in videos, and, and in renders on the Tesla Design Studio website. Um, but I think just, you know, picturing it, a performance Model Y with white interior and ultra red paint should look pretty darn slick. I think. So if you've currently got an order in for a Model Y in either gray or red, you might be getting the new color when that car gets delivered to you, depending on when your delivery date is and when your car was manufactured. So be on the lookout for stealth gray Ys and ultra red Ys hitting the roads here very, very soon. Next this week, a quick little not as fun thing that affects most of the Teslas. You may have seen this this week because this kind of turned into a little bit of a big story. And I understand why in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's the biggest deal, but it, it is newsworthy certainly. And that is this. The EPA changed its range testing process. And as a result, most Teslas, and this will also apply to every other EV, have seen their EPA-rated range go down. Now, this is all on the Tesla Design Studio right now, but I want to give credit where credit's due. I saw this first posted by Tesla tipster Sawyer Merritt on X. So, the Model 3 is, as of now, unaffected completely, and perhaps that's because Tesla isn't going to be selling the old version of the car anymore. Remains to be seen. The Model Y has had a range reduction. The long range on 19-inch Gemini wheels goes from 330 miles of range to 310. And the Performance Model Y, of course, on those 21-inch Uber turbines, goes from 303 miles of rated range, or estimated range, I guess I should say, down to 285. So that's a somewhat significant difference just like 310 from 330 is as well. On the Model S, interestingly, if you get the long range S on the 19 inch wheels, the rating is unchanged 
405 miles remains the case there. But if you upgrade to the 21-inch arachnid wheels, your range is actually up relative to the arachnid range previously on the long range. It's at 382 miles now. We go to the Model S Plaid now, that one taking a dip. It's 359 miles on the 19-inch wheels. And if you upgrade to those 21-inch arachnid wheels, as I definitely would if I were purchasing a Model S Plaid because I just don't like the 19-inch wheels and I do very much like the 21s, you're down to 320 on that one. And finally, the Model X, the long-range X, Goes from 335 now uh, re-rated, or re-rated, pardon me, from 348 to now 335. So not too huge of a difference there. On the 22-inch wheels for the Model X, you're down to 322 miles of range, estimated range there. Finally, the Model X Plaid, just a slight drop on the 20-inch wheels. 326 miles now, instead of the old figure of 333. And if you want those 22s on your Model X Plaid, your new estimated range is an even 300 miles. And you know, this might seem like a bummer, and and I guess technically it is, but honestly, I think we'd all agree it's probably just a bit more realistic. It's not really a range drop per se. It's really just a more accurate estimate, I would argue. So I can't complain about that. All right, next up this week, Elon Musk talked a little a little Tesla on X this week, noting that the Cybertruck will lag behind the rest of the fleet in terms of FSD beta updates. He said this on X, quote, Cybertruck is necessarily the lowest priority for FSD, as there are only a few hundred Cybertruck in the field compared to about 5 million other Teslas. Well, you certainly can't argue with the logic there. I mean, that won't always be true, but for the time being, yes. There, the amount of Cybertrucks on the road is a fraction of a percent compared to the rest of the fleet. And I would say, though, not to just completely let that slide, because it might be a bit of a tough pill to swallow for those folks that are shelling out the money for the Foundation Series Cybertruck. Those folks are paying a $20,000 premium, with the bulk of that $20,000 being $12,000 for FSD, in order to get one of the earliest Cybertrucks in order to get the Cybertruck sooner. Now, yes, I realize that FSD is a long-term proposition, but I think it's fair to respectfully say that it does make that Foundation Series upcharge to be maybe a bit more of an early adopter tax than it was before, or if FSD beta were added to the Cybertruck soon. Although, I should caveat this, by saying it could still happen soon. The Cybertruck could still get FSD beta soon. This tweet, this post, whatever you want to call it, might end up meaning that updates to FSD beta will be slower to get to the truck than to the rest of the fleet. And instead, perhaps a version of FSD beta will get to the Cybertruck in the next couple of months 
but it will be updated less frequently. It will lag behind the other vehicles. That piece of it remains to be seen. All right, before I get to the main course of this week's episode, I wanted to say that I hope all of you kindly backing me at that $10 per month ludicrous tier or higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which was a deep dive on my thoughts about the future of the Model S and Model X. So if that topic is of interest to you, and the idea of backing the Patreon, uh, backing me on Patreon, I should say, sounds pretty good, and not only hopefully that would sound good to you, but if you did so, you'd also get the other 77 uh, mini, mini episodes, those lightning rounds, you can join my Patreon by visiting my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Again, uh, you get every, every time you, whatever tier you choose to support me at a, thank you, but B you will get the perks at that tier and any perks at the tiers below. So if you're at that $10 per month tier, you'll get all the lightning round mini episodes and you'll get early access to each week's episode. So again, check it out. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Don't forget about that free seven day trial option that's enabled for that popular $10 per month tier. I've actually been, uh, I've felt very, very good. And I've seen a number of people sign up for that free trial over the past week or so. So that warms my heart. I thank you all for giving it a try. I hope you'll decide to stick around. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. All right, let's talk Q4 production and delivery numbers and thus also the full production and delivery numbers for the whole of the year 2023 that is now in our rearview mirrors. Tesla's very short and sweet press release, as it always is, reads as follows, quote, in the fourth quarter, we produced approximately 495,000 vehicles and delivered over 484,000 vehicles. In 2023, vehicle deliveries grew 38% year over year to 1.81 million, while production grew 35% year over year to 1.85 million. Thank you to all of our customers, employees, suppliers, shareholders, and supporters who helped us achieve a great 2023. So with that, here is the breakdown on those numbers. For the Model 3 and Model Y, 476,777 cars produced of, and then the deliveries, 461,538. As for the other category, it is no longer S and X, it's other models. So you can guess what's been lumped in there. Production of other models totaled 18,212. Deliveries of those other models totaled 22,969. For the whole of 2023, you got, uh, well, I guess you really, the breakdown there, I should say, let me, let me give you the breakdown. 3 and Y accounted for 1.775 million of the, uh, on the production side, 1.739 million delivered. 
other models. That was 70,826 produced and 68,874 delivered over the entirety of 2023, adding up to those totals that I gave you a few minutes ago. So, as expected, the Cybertruck was lumped in with something else, as I thought it would be uh, when I was talking about that a week or two ago. In this instance, it was lumped in with the S and X. I honestly think it is likely to continue to be that way for a while, probably until Cybertruck production gets fully ramped up. Which is too bad, because it sure would be great, as, pe as people who are interested in this stuff, as you and I are, to be able to know exactly how the production ramp is going, but for anti-FUD reasons, I totally get why Tesla isn't going to give out super transparent numbers on the Cybertruck probably for a while. The aforementioned Sawyer Merritt noted that the fourth quarter of 2023 saw the highest Model S and Model X deliveries of any quarter over the past five years. Now, that is certainly true, and that is certainly a good sign after the major price cuts, including the long-range Model X now being tax credit eligible. But as incredible as those two cars are, I, I have to admit, I'm still a bit concerned about them in the long term. Now, what I think doesn't particularly matter. If Tesla is happy with the numbers it's getting on the S and the X, that's all that matters. But the fact is, the annual total number on S and X, it's down, and it's down quite a bit. Uh, it's down about 33% from its peak back in 2017. And I'm looking at yearly totals for that, by the way. But before, and that's back from before the Model 3 really got ramped up. It's not a coincidence that Model S sales took a dive when the 3 really went into volume production and that the Model Y has clearly affected the Model X as well. And it's understandably so. As, as I've said on this podcast before, as incredible as S and X are, and if I had a blank check, I would absolutely purchase a Plaid Model S. There'd be, it is a, a ridiculous car in every sense of the word and in the very best of ways. But price obviously is a factor for not just me, but most people. And so, uh, you, you know, you've got to take a look at the sort of, overall picture on this. But anyway, uh, 2017 is what I started to talk about. That year, Tesla did 101,000 S and X combined. But as Sawyer had optimistically noted, it does reverse a, a pretty big dip from Q3 of this year, meaning just a quarter ago. In Q3 of 2023, Tesla only did just under 16,000 deliveries of S and X. And Q4 of 2023 is the first time that Tesla has cleared 20,000 deliveries in a quarter on S and X since Q4 of 2018, exactly five years ago. They had hit, I will say, I went back through all the numbers for the last number of years and they had hit 19,000 deliveries on S and X a bunch of times but had not been able to touch 20,000 until here in Q4 of 2023. 
And I'm sure that the ability to transfer your free lifetime supercharging got a number of new S's and X's sold in Q4. I mean, we'll see what the number is in Q1, and then, because Q1 is historically a fairly slow quarter, I think it's it's going to be, we're going to not want to draw any major conclusions until we get the Q2 numbers as well, and I think then we'll really get an idea of how the new lower prices on S and X are affecting the demand for those vehicles over a longer time horizon than just Q4 when there were, you know, a couple of demand levers seriously in play there. All right, now let's talk about the Model 3 and the Model Y. Almost half a million 3s and Ys combined were manufactured in Q4. Just wow. I mean, I have no other word but wow for that. for, For a little bit of context here, if you go year over year and take a look at it, Q4 of 2022 was 419,000 threes and Ys produced. So that is up almost 20% year over year, which is darned impressive. Now, can Tesla keep up that rate? I think they definitely can, not necessarily the growth rate, but just the current production rate. I think they definitely can on the Y, particularly now that they're offering a base Model Y with an even more affordable price. It's the Model 3 that's going to be trickier. Now, will there be a decrease in quarter-over-quarter production in the changeover to the Highland here in the U.S.? I think that's pretty reasonable to expect that there would be, right? But the bigger effect on the Model 3 and Model Y numbers for Q1 is no doubt going to be the expiration, or at least the current inability for two of the three Model 3 variants to get a penny of the $7,500 federal tax credit. It's still on the performance Model 3, as we've talked about, and as such, and I say this knowing that unfortunately we do not get granular numbers by trim from Tesla, but I would be willing to bet lunch right here and now that the performance Model 3 will be a higher percentage of Model 3 production and deliveries than usual because, well, whenever the new Model 3 performance debuts, right? Whether that's going to be in Q1 this quarter alongside the Base 3 and the the long-range dual-motor Highland or whether the performance doesn't come along until a little bit later. By the way, on that note, what if the Highland performance has the tax credit, as I think, as we sit here, there's no reason to believe it won't. That car is going to get a lot of enthusiasts to jump in. Probably a lot of existing Tesla owners, a lot of existing Performance Model 3 owners to trade in that 2018, 2019, 2020, maybe even 2021 Performance Model 3 if the Performance Highland ends up being about the same price, what, $54,000, I think, is where the where the Performance 3 is sitting right now, and eligible for that full $7,500 tax credit, that could get particularly uh, interesting for, again, for existing Tesla owners, and maybe even some 
base Model 3 owners, some long-range Model 3 owners of, of older Model 3s that might see the new Highland and go, oh, okay, you're telling me that that car, actually, I'm double-checking myself, it's cheaper than I just said. It's not 54, it's 51. 51K for the performance. And, and that car is eligible for the tax credit. So anyway, my point is, I think we might see a higher than usual percentage of Model 3 orders be performance Model 3s for however long the period lasts that the performance car has the tax credit eligibility when the long range and base Model 3s do not. I want to add here a statement from Tesla's policy and business development team member, Rohan Patel, gave on X, saying this, Our customers and employees made some incredible things happen in 2023, like... Model Y is the best-selling vehicle of any type in the world and in Europe, which I guess that's, <laughs> that's in the world, folds in Europe. He says Tesla is the best-selling car maker, meaning brand, best-selling brand in California. The entirety, California is a big, very populous state, and Tesla is the number one car brand in California. That's pretty impressive. Rohan also notes that the supercharger network has doubled in size since 2021. To achieve our mission to accelerate sustainable transport, the Tesla supercharging team started opening it up to non-Tesla vehicles, as we all know. And then uh, noting as well, Tesla energy storage deployment has quadrupled since 2021 to enable zero carbon electricity support grid stability, and promote community resilience to extreme weather. Thank you for that extra bit of fun context there, Rohan. So where does that put us for 2024? Cybertruck will be ramping up. Model Y should continue to fly high. Model 3 could slow down a little bit during the changeover to Highland in Fremont, but that might be offset by increased demand for the newer, more exciting version of the Model 3 once it is out. Plus, Tesla has said over and over that while they don't expect 50% year-over-year growth to occur like clockwork, that 50% year-over-year growth should be the overall rough pattern for the foreseeable future. It wasn't this year, right? It, it, uh, it was in the 30s. The percentage this year, let me double check my, my math on that, right? Was that, is that what I said? I believe that's what it was. Anyway, um, I've, I've lost it in my notes here, but uh, so not quite 50%. The question is, do you think it will be 50% from 2023 to 2024? So Model Y should continue to roll out at the same pace it's been, which is the best-selling car in the world. The Cybertruck is ramping up. Model 3, probably going to dip a little bit, but that could be offset by increased demand for the Highland. And so, uh, without a major high-volume new car, because the Cybertruck, would, would we call it, I guess we would call it high-volume, but it's not going to reach high-volume this year. At least not for any significant portion of the year. Maybe by the end of 2024, it's 
the Cybertruck is exiting the year at a pretty high volume production rate, but but for the year, it's not likely to be considered a high volume vehicle. So uh, taking all of that into consideration, as well as I'm going to say, okay, let's say the Model S and Model X bump that we got in Q4 was real and was sustainable. So I'm going to, I'm going to put my estimate for deliveries, not production deliveries in 2024. I'm going to go with 2.2 million for 2024. And I asked all of you to weigh in with what you think that number is going to be on this week's Patreon poll. Again, it is free to vote in the poll. You don't have to be a Patreon backer. Just swing on over every week to patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Usually I put the poll up on Tuesday evenings. And 49% of you, the which was the highest uh, section, that the, the highest vote getting number here, you were agreeing with me. Uh, that was the two to two point two five. So the two to two and a quarter. Uh, well, excuse me. Two, yeah, two to two and a quarter million is forty nine percent of the vote. A third of you, thirty four percent, went a little higher. You said two and a quarter to two and a half. Ten percent of you took the lower end, one point eight million to two million. Six percent of you went a bit higher, 2.5 million to 2.75 million, and that was it. Nobody, nobody voted above three million, which I think you were wise to do. There's, there's probably no plausible path, even in the very best of all circumstances, for Tesla to deliver three million cars in 2024. They'll get there, just not in 2024. Uh, so thank every, thank you to everybody who voted, and I should note that the Q1, excuse me, Q4 earnings call will happen on January 24th. So I will have my usual recap, highlights, and analysis episode in three shows from right now, which means that'll be episode 443. All right, I've got a bit more news for you, but before I get to that, let me stop and mention my friends at Accelerate Auto and their X-Care extended warranty policy that you can get for your Tesla. Go to accelerateauto.com, that's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O.com slash X-Care, which is spelled X-C-A-R-E, and you can customize a policy to your liking. You can go up to 10 years of coverage, up to 125,000 extra miles of coverage after your factory warranty is up. And a reminder, you don't have to have bought the car new from Tesla. However you acquired your Tesla, X-Care is for you. You can get that policy, no worries there. Unlike with Tesla's plan, their extended warranty plan, which is only a fixed two-year, 25,000-mile plan, and you have to buy it before your factory warranty is up, and you can only buy it if you bought the car new from Tesla. So a lot more flexibility with X-Care, and they offer the same $100 deductible, the same 24-7 roadside assistance that Tesla does. And not only that, they go above and beyond what Tesla offers with rental reimbursement and trip interruption coverage. So if all of that sounds good, and maybe you also want to add on the battery and drivetrain protection as well, you can get that added 
to your Xcare policy as well. Or you can just get that, which I think is pretty cool that they offer that as a standalone thing as well. So if any of that sounds good, go check them out. Get the $100 discount if you use the discount code LIGHTNING. So again, that's accelerateauto.com slash Xcare. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. All right, a couple more news pieces before I move along to the Ride the Lightning hotline. And this one's about V4 superchargers, which of course Tesla has only really just begun to start rolling out those V4 superchargers, but they're already making some minor usability improvements based directly on user feedback. The Twitter slash X account Roaming Norway, I'll bet you can guess where they're based out of, posted some constructive criticism on X this past week, saying the new supercharger dispensers are worse for Tesla drivers because, in their opinion, one, the cables are heavier, two, the cables are less flexible and make it difficult to bend the cable and place the plug where you want it, three, the grip of the holster makes the plug fall onto the ground and gets snow and dirt exposure, and four, they're much taller and opaque and block visibility at the site. Now, they later added, hey, I'm not trying to exaggerate the issue. This is a minor thing for most people. Honestly, I just find it interesting to discuss. Okay, those are those are fair criticisms, right? I haven't had a chance to use a V4 supercharger. There is one here in the San Francisco Bay Area as of now, but I have not been down to check it out as of yet. So, to their credit, Tesla's official supercharger team, the at Tesla charging account, responded to this, saying, minor things matter. Cable dock and stiffness improvements coming soon. So I wanted to shout that out because I think it's really great to see Tesla, A, be open to acknowledging the constructive criticism from their users, and B, make the change to the the V4 superchargers as they continue to roll out before that rollout spreads too much further, right? So the existing V4s will end up being kind of an anomaly in the grand scheme of things in terms of the the, uh, cable dock and stiffness to those V4 chargers. The newer ones will be better. Finally this week, we got our first report on Hardware 5. Yes, Hardware 5. It comes via Tom's Hardware, and I want to give a tip of the cap here to the Tesla Motors Reddit, which is where I saw this. And Tom's Hardware writes, Tesla is set to use TSMC's N3P, Performance Enhanced 3 Nanometer Class, fabrication process to build one of its next generation full self-driving hardware chips, according to a rumor published by China Times and noticed by analyst Dan Nistet. If the information is accurate, Tesla plans to use a non-automotive grade production node for its FSD system on chip, which is more commonly referred to as an SOC, or system in package, SIP. TSMC's N3P process is a cutting edge manufacturing technology that offers high performance, 
high transistor density, and relatively lower power. Ah, the secret for Tesla right there, lower power. For demanding processors such as Tesla's FSD hardware, N3P could be just what the doctor ordered. Several companies are reportedly committed to using production nodes, so Tesla will not be alone. Thank you to Tom's Hardware there, and to the Tesla Motors Reddit, of course. So this obviously is, we're just talking really big picture, 10,000 foot view, chip manufacturing stuff here. We don't have any information yet on what kind of performance the new Hardware 5 chip will be capable of, either in a vacuum or relative to Hardware 4. It also, at this point, we don't have much of an idea of the timeline either. But given that Hardware 4 just started rolling out less than a year ago, about nine months ago or so, I think it's probably safe to say that it is quite unlikely we'll see Hardware 5 cars in 2024. I would think that it's probably going to be at least 2025 before we see Hardware 5 cars. Like, for instance, the next-gen Roadster will probably be a Hardware 5 car in 2025 or 2026. Now, uh, to the best of my knowledge, because I do, I'm not, a, I definitely wouldn't classify myself as any sort of hardware expert, but by virtue of covering the video game industry for the past 21 years plus here, uh, I do think that I've got, like, I've got a little bit of, I don't want to say core knowledge, but at least familiarity with how these things tend to go. And to the best of that familiarity, I believe that chips will get uh, what's referred to as taped out at least 18 months in advance, meaning kind of all figured out on paper before they go into production. So for a bit of context here, hardware three, which is probably what's in most of our cars, some of anybody with a, you know, some of you have newer Teslas that have hardware four, but it's statistically the majority of those of you listening, myself included, have hardware three. That debuted in early 2019, so almost exactly four years ago. Hardware four then arrived, uh, excuse me, almost five years ago. Hardware four arrived about exactly four years after hardware three did. And by arrived, I mean shipped in a production car. So I'm certainly not suggesting that it's going to continue to be four years like clockwork, but there's, again, almost zero chance, no matter how you slice it, that hardware five is going to show up in a customer car in 2024. It's still neat to hear about, which is why I wanted to relay this story to you, but it's still going to be a ways out. I mean, we know that Tesla is always going to push ahead on not just performance, but as I kind of stopped to highlight there in the story, they're going to push ahead on efficiency as well. Every little bit of efficiency they can get adds up. It all adds up. The cooler that Tesla can run the FSD computer and the less juice that that computer needs the better that is for the overall efficiency of the cars. All right, that is everything in a busy news week to, to start the year here in 2024, but Ride the Lightning is far from over. Stick with me, I will be right back with some excellent calls from all of you 
in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. Time for your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline for the first time here in 2024. I welcome, I invite your phone calls if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic as it pertains to the world of Tesla. Give me a call. There are two easy ways to do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible, and email that recording to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's super easy. It's a toll-free phone number that you can call or Skype anytime. And that number is 1-888-989-8752. This version might be a little easier to remember, which is 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted like I do with them or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is regular caller Somi from Vancouver in British Columbia. Hello, Ryan. It's Somi from Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, just responding to one of your callers, Mark from Truckee, California, that had a ma- an amazing I- um, idea, amazing suggestion to Tesla to set the uh, height of your trunk based on location. I just want to add uh, my experience there because when I got my Model Y, I also uh, was very excited to have a trunk lift gate. And I've never had one before. Um, and I went to, uh, you know, work where there's an underground parking garage and not realizing there was a very low ceiling. I bumped my trunk <laughs> against the top, the, the concrete ceiling there. It's quite low. I had PPF, very lucky there. The paint was saved. There was no dent, but there is a permanent blemish there, which uh, kind of um, hurts my heart a little bit. But um, so, of course, I never want that to happen again. But because it's so low, I reset the height. And now when I'm home or anywhere else, uh, that trunk does not go up very high. And I have actually hit my head on the trunk uh, a couple of times and it, because I'm forgetting that it's not going all the way up and I have to lift it up and things. So my goodness, having that set by location would save me. What a great idea, Mark. I really hope that uh, Tesla works on that and pushes it out. Well said, Somi. I am happy to play your call in the hopes that we can get Tesla's attention to what I agree is just a phenomenal idea. Happy New Year to you. And next up in the Ride the Lightning hotline is Josh from Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Hey, Ryan, this is Josh from Bluebell, PA. I have an interesting situation. I would like to get some feedback from you or any listeners who might have gone through this. I have a 2019 Model X Performance Raven with about 40,000 miles. One night in early December, I got in the car to go out to dinner, and it was just completely dead. I tried the two-scroll reset, and nothing was happening. I wound up calling Tesla the next morning, and they had it towed to the local service center. From past stories I've heard, I was assuming it was the 12-volt battery that died, but turns out it was actually the main high-voltage battery. 
Even though most of my car is out of warranty, the battery was still covered and they replaced it for no charge. I confirmed with them that it would be a new battery and not a refurbished one. Quick shout out to the Devon PA Service Center as those guys were awesome. It took three weeks to get my car back and what I'm noticing is that the estimated range seems much greater than before. Obviously, losing four plus years of battery degradation will help, but I believe the max estimated range on the 2019 Raven X Performance is around 305 miles, and I typically would charge to 90% and say around 265 to 270 miles. It so happens that we were leaving for a long road trip for the holidays, and I charged to 100%, and the car was showing 342 miles of estimated range, which seems crazy. I've charged to 90% a few times since then, and I'm seeing around 307 miles listed. I guess my question is, does the battery need to calibrate itself over a period of time and these numbers will adjust, or do I have a new super-efficient battery and these numbers are real, making this kind of a unicorn Model X? I was planning to trade this in for the Cybertruck once my number gets cold, but if these ranges are real, I'm not so sure about that anymore. would love to hear if anyone has gone through this or had a similar situation happen. Thanks for all you do with the podcast, and Happy New Year to you and your family. Josh, Happy New Year to you as well, and thank you for your call. First and foremost, I am very glad to hear that Tesla took good care of you and that your factory warranty on the battery and drivetrain ended up getting you an entirely brand new battery when you needed it. I think the most practical answer to your question would be for you to track it for yourself over some reasonable sample sizes to see what you get. You can track your watt hours per mile rating and how many kilowatt hours that you're burning and you've got the mileage. So you've got all the numbers there to do the math to see if your new battery is in fact more efficient or you know giving you more than your old one was. Hopefully it is legitimate, but hey, either way, I'm glad you're back on the road with a fresh new 99 kilowatt hour battery beneath you. Next up, here's Jamie from Knoxville. Hey Ryan, Jamie from Knoxville here. Just a quick word about the new autopilot activation feature, which lets you activate auto steer with a single or double pull on the gear stock. With the pre-existing double pull feature, when I drive on a highway with auto steer activated and I want to change lanes to pass cars in front of me, I can signal to change lanes And that cancels auto steer, but leaves cruise control activated, which means the car continues at the same speed, but lets me steer. At that point, I can steer into the passing lane, pass the slower cars, steer back into the right lane, and reactivate auto steer with two pulls on the gear stop. And that works pretty well. When I heard about this new single pull feature, I assumed everything would work as before, but I can reactivate auto steer with a single pull instead of a double pull on the gear stop. But that's not how it works. With the new single pull feature, when I signal to change lanes, both auto steer and cruise control are canceled simultaneously and the car immediately starts slowing down. At first it startled me and I had to quickly press the accelerator to maintain my speed. At some point I figured out that when I want to change lanes, I need to press the accelerator before I signal to change lanes. Then when I signal and autopilot kicks off, the car will maintain its speed. But there's another problem. After I'm back into the right lane and reactivate auto steer, the car doesn't remember my previous autopilot speed, which I might have adjusted up or down based on road conditions. 
Instead, the car goes back to my default autopilot speed. If any Tesla engineers are listening, I would suggest they consider a change to this single pull feature such that when someone signals to change lanes, the car cancels auto steer but leaves cruise control activated. Thanks for all you do, Ryan. Cheers. Thank you, Jamie. This is a very fair bit of constructive criticism for folks using basic autopilot, or I should say on behalf of folks. While I'm sure that Tesla would prefer that you purchased FSD, it is still true that this could use a tweak per your recommendation. So as often is the case here, I am happy to use whatever megaphone that I've got with this podcast to help put this idea out into the world hopefully for the Tesla team to hear it and to take it into consideration. I appreciate your call, Jamie. And I've got time for one more call this week. It's going to be Joel from New Jersey responding to the Model 3 mostly losing its tax credit. And this is uh, Joel from New Jersey. I was just listening to your last week's podcast about the Model 3 losing um, the federal tax credit on two of the variations. And I got a theory behind that. Um, I just recently um, got rid of my Model 3 and upgraded to a Model Y, base Model Y, uh, single motor. And when I got it, I was really surprised to see that it's not an LSP battery. Um, and when I was talking to the person from Tesla, the, the sales rep, he said the Model 3s now use the LSP batteries, um, not the Model Ys. And I thought the base Model Y was, had the LSP, so I was, I was really surprised about that. And I'm wondering if the base Model 3 and the long-range Model 3 are using LFP batteries, and that's why and how those batteries are sourced and that we no longer qualify for the tax credit, yet the performance probably still uses the original um, ion batteries and therefore does. Hope all is well, and say hi to Daisy for us. Joel, I appreciate you calling in. First of all, congratulations on your new Model Y. And thank you for letting me know that the new base Model Y does not have an LFP battery. I'm frankly quite surprised as the base Y is much slower to 60 miles an hour than the long range dual motor is. It's 6.6 seconds versus 4.8 seconds for the long range dual motor, which is quite a significant gap. One big enough that I thought for sure the new base Model Y had an LFP in it. On the three, that is most definitely the case. We know that 1,000% factually true. The long-range dual motor three is 4.2 seconds to 60 miles an hour. If it was an LFP, it'd be a lot slower. So I think the plot thickens on this a little bit. Plot thickens here. Joel, thanks for your call. Thanks to everybody that kindly took the time to call in. Again, I welcome and invite your Tesla-related phone calls. Drop me a line anytime I gave you the dial-in information at the top of this segment. Hey, I'm not done yet, though. Stick with me. I've got a bit more Ride the Lightning coming up right after this. Well, I've got a fun little thing to tell you that happened this week in, in the world of Tesla. I saw my first production customer Cybertruck in the wild this week. I was out getting a haircut, middle of the afternoon, had an appointment, and I was pulling in to the bank parking lot to get cash from the ATM, and in the parking lot next door, 
you know, I couldn't I couldn't not see it out of the corner of my eye was a giant cyber truck sitting right there. So I pulled in, parked in the bank parking lot, then walked over. Sure enough, saw that Foundation Series badge on the side. Knew it was a production truck, obviously, by that. And it had the new, it had California temporary tags on it as well, which tells you that it's a, it's an actual customer car versus a, you know, manufacturer car with manufacturer plates. And, you know, I, I thought about, I was like, well, I, I'm really curious what the VIN number of this thing is, but the VIN plates on Cybertrucks are halfway up the left, the driver's side edge of the windshield. So, you know, where the, where the giga wiper sits, it's halfway up there. And unless you're super tall, you can't see it. (laughs) If you're an average height person, uh, you're not going to see it. I didn't want to just come up and lean over the truck and stick my phone over it and take a picture. You know, this is somebody's actual car truck that they paid for. So it's like, I'm not going to do it, even though I am curious what the VIN number is on this thing, but it was great to see it. And boy, it just, it, it is so jarring to see it in a, in a good way out in the real world, just against, against the backdrop of other quote unquote normal looking cars, basically just, you know, up against everything else. It's just completely different in every way, literal way, shape and form. That is a, a literal application of the term there. So all I can tell you is Number one, if you haven't seen the Cybertruck in person and you don't like it from what you've seen in pictures and videos, just give it a little bit of a chance, you know, hold out and just, you know, don't render full, full judgment, final judgment until you get to see it in person. Uh, Cause it is pretty spectacular in person, I think compared to pictures and videos. And I guess I'll say this too. If you're sick of samey looking SUVs and trucks in the marketplace, boy, is this the vehicle for you. Uh, But yeah, it was awesome to see it. That really brightened up my day getting to see that uh, production Cybertruck. Oh, and you know what? I actually had one more bit of good Cybertruck news this week. I asked my insurance agent for a quote, an insurance quote on the Cybertruck, just for reference for now. You know, you already heard me talk about how I'm going to need to wait a little while for the general production version, but uh, I wanted to get an insurance quote just to see what I'd be looking at on that front. And I made sure to make it as apples to apples as I can. I said that I wanted the same coverage levels on everything that I have on my Model 3. Same carrier, same coverage levels. So uh, the quote came back barely more than my Model 3. It's like 10 bucks more a month or maybe 15 bucks more a month than my Model 3. And I'm on State Farm, for those of you that that are going to ask. And I know everybody's insurance is different in terms of, you know, it's where you live, what you drive, how old you are, what's your driving record, all this kind of stuff. So your mileage may vary. And in fact, it will vary. You know, Tesla insurance, you go that way. What's that quote? But I was just really happy that at State Farm, where we've got a lot of our policies, we've got the, you know, multi-line discount, the umbrella policy, all that stuff that uh, the insurance on the Cybertruck is quoted to me as extremely reasonable, like far more reasonable than I was even expecting. So good news there. All right. Pro tip of the week time. It comes from Andrew in Boston. 
Hey, Ryan. Andrew from Boston here again. I had a pro tip. Um, when going to the car wash or even washing your own car, something that I like to do is when they dry off your car, when you wash your car and you dry off the side mirrors, sometimes when you press down on the glass, you can uh, push the, the mirror away from what you normally, uh, the setting that you normally have it on. And so what I do is I just go to the screen and I tap on my driver profile and press it to restore. And so if the mirror is moved at all, they will go back to the way that you set them originally. Thought, thought that would be useful to some people. So thanks again for the podcast. Excellent pro tip here, Andrew. I have definitely done that by accident. So yes, this should be an excellent way to reset it to your desired location if necessary. Thank you very much for that. And if anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week, I'd love to hear it because I'd love to add it to my own personal Tesla knowledge base and I'd love to share it with all of the Ride the Lightning listeners out there. So you can send those in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls and I give you the instructions for that a little while ago. Before I skedaddle, uh, when was the last time? I'll bet I've never said skedaddle on the podcast up until that moment. I don't think I've said skedaddle in my life for... I mean, I have in my life, but not in years. That feels like a, feels like I just accidentally dusted that one off for no apparent reason. Anyway, before I get out of here, let me mention some friends of the podcast. I will start with abstractocean.com. They've got a ton of great aftermarket accessories for all the Teslas. In fact, I'm going to log on right now and see if they have any Cybertruck stuff yet. Okay, nothing yet, but I would imagine it's coming very soon. But what you can do is click on S3XY, Rivian R1T, Rivian R1S. Those are all supported, all kinds of accessories for all of those vehicles on abstractocean.com. Click on the car that you own and it will show you all of the great aftermarket accessories that are available for that vehicle. For instance, here is a not an on sale, $99, $30 off right now full color animated dash LED light strip. So basically similar to what's going into the Highland, what's going into the Cybertruck, you can add that to your existing Model 3 or Model Y if you want to. That is a $99 accessory. So check that out. Check so much more out like the tempered glass screen protectors, all sorts of stuff, abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLpodcast to get 15% off of your first order. How about the Snap Plate and the new Snap Plate Plus that's stronger? You can get those at everyamp.com slash RTL with a coupon code on that as well to uh, throw on the, onto the pile so that it's even more affordable for you. The coupon code is simply RTL. So everyamp.com slash RTL, then use the coupon code RTL. And that snap plate and snap plate plus are the front license plate brackets that are a nice, clean, minimalist design. You can avoid those tickets while you're parked at a parking meter. They're good for if you're going to be going through a a toll road or a bridge. But hey, if you want to take it off because you're detailing the car, because you are taking it to a car show, cars and coffee, something like that, it is easily removed as well. So the snap plate is safety optimized with breakaway features to sacrifice itself in a worst case scenario like a parking accident. Meanwhile, the snap plate plus 
is strength optimized with hardened features for maximum strength so that it hopefully does not break. Check them both out. Again, everyamp.com slash RTL and use the coupon code RTL. If you're considering solar, solar panels for your home, your business, or both, I urge you to add budget safe solar to your list of providers that you're cross shopping against. You can find them at budgetsafesolar.com. They now offer home battery storage, including the Tesla Powerwall, in addition to regular solar panels. I've got a budget safe solar setup that's been working great for me. I'm now 11 months into it. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, just one more month away from my first full trip around the sun with those solar panels on my roof. So check them out, budgetsafesolar.com. And if you do choose to pre uh, proceed with a solar installation on your home or business, please use the referral code RTL. Immaculate Reflections is the place to go if you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area and you want to get your car looking as good as it possibly can. Immaculate Reflections can do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax your car for the next, oh, five years or so. They can do paint protection film on some or all of the car. If you ever um, get to, if you're ever in town and we meet up, as, as, as happens, I'm lucky enough I get to meet a number of you. I'll get people that reach out from time to time. Oh, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Can we meet up? And I'm always happy to do that. And if you see my car, you will see that it's basically impossible to tell that there's paint protection film on it because that's how talented a detailer that Jeff at Immaculate Reflections is. The guy is awesome, uh, not just as a detailer, but as a human being as well. There's also paint correction which I've had done on my car, just gets all the flaws out of that paint finish, and boy, does it get your car looking as good as it possibly can. So if any of that appeals to you, go to irdetailing.com, and you can reach out through there, ask any questions that you want to ask, and book in your service appointment with them. Don't forget to mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, because if you do, there is a discount waiting for you. Next up, puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. As I like to say, they've got the 128 gigabyte kit for 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the US. That is a micro SD based kit, though it plugs into your car's USB port. And I do recommend this because micro SD is much better designed to handle the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode need to do versus flash memory, which is, that's what the USB stick that Tesla gives you has on it. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. There's also a $69 kit that is a 256 gigabyte storage device. That is also free shipping anywhere in the US, though they will ship worldwide, just uh, if you're international shipping, there'll be a, a modest shipping fee on there, but check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, my Patreon, which I mentioned uh, fairly early on in the podcast, but I'll mention it again here. It is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Start of a new year. If you've been enjoying the show for all of the past year, maybe beyond that as well, and you've come to the point where you think to yourself, you know what? Yes, Ryan, this is going to be the year 
that I will very kindly support you on Patreon. I would be humbled and grateful if you would consider that because your support is the reason that this podcast is able to continue every single week. And you know I've got the receipts to prove it when I say every single week. So the support tiers start at just five bucks a month. Five bucks a month will get you early access to each week's episode. Uh, The $10 per month tier that I mentioned at the top there will get you the early access to each episode and the lightning round bonus mini episodes each week as well. And then the support tiers head on up from there as well with various stacking perks. So again, check it out. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast with Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can get this podcast on pretty much all the major podcast services. Statistically, most of you get it through uh, Apple Podcasts, which is now natively available in your car, courtesy of the recent holiday software update. So that's great. Makes it nice and easy to listen to Ride the Lightning in your Tesla. And what better place to listen to it, to listen to a Tesla podcast than in your Tesla. Uh, But that's the beauty of a podcast is you can take it anywhere. You can listen to it while you're jogging, while you're walking the dog, while you're hiking a mountain, while you're commuting on the subway, whatever it is. uh, I appreciate that you listen wherever you are. And I'll just add that if you're not already subscribing to the podcast on whatever your favorite podcast service is, I encourage you to do that. It's totally free. It just means when you subscribe, you are going to have each new episode pushed out to you automatically so that way you don't have to remember, oh, wait, when is, oh, yeah, Sunday? Is it Sunday? Is there a new episode? No, they'll get pushed out to you anytime there's a new episode, which, of course, is every Sunday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. If you need a referral code to get the three free months of FSD, to get the six months of free unlimited supercharging, although in fairness, I need to double check. I don't know if that's still going now that Q4 is over. Let me just type this in. Let's see what happens if I type. It looks like, oh wait, what was it? Okay, three free months of full self-driving is the current offer on all four Teslas. You cannot uh, refer a Cybertruck at this point in time, but for SX3 and Y, it's three free months of FSD if you uh, use a referral link when you buy. So if you need one, feel free to use mine. Just type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 into your web browser, hit enter, and that will take you to the landing page I'm looking at right now that says save with Ryan's referral And then you can explore the inventory of cars or you can custom order a Y, a 3, an X, an S, solar panels or solar roof uh, if you go the Tesla route as well. So anyway, that is the referral link if you need one. Finally, you can follow me on two social media platforms, one being X, one being Instagram. I have the same username on both with that username DMC underscore Ryan. If you'd like to email me, you can do so anytime. My podcast email address is simply teslapodcast at gmail.com. Before I go, let me say hello and thank you to the Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space tier backers, starting with the grandfathered-in Plaid-level supporters. Thanks so much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, 
Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla Owners Club of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. As I record this, of course, on Friday evening here, uh, January 5th, the monthly Patreon Zoom Hangout will be happening tomorrow, Saturday, January 6th. And the following folks, the Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space tier backers, I am hoping that I will get to see and chat with a bunch of them. So thank you so much to the Maximum Plaid backers who are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from New York City, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Ken Epstein forever, I will forever mention him here uh, to honor his memory, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoy, contact1callcenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalin, John from Cream Ridge, New Jersey, Sean Tisdale, Dustin Hart, and Michael Gallo. Finally, an extra big thanks goes out to the Roadster in Space tier backers. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Kara Weston, Robert from near Philly, and Kristen Rumble. Thank you all so much at all the Patreon tiers. I do not take your support for granted. My goal is to earn it from you each and every single week by showing up each and every single week by giving you my all each and every single week. Well, first episode of 2024 is in the books. Thank you so much for your time and attention. I wish you all happy electric motoring, and I will see you back here in one week's time. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.